You are listening to Did You Hear? 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 The Johnson County Library Podcast. We are coming to you from the Central Resource Library in Overland Park, Kansas. This is your Library Insider. In this episode of Did You Hear? Library Collections Specialist Beth Atwater pops by to share some exciting new sci-fi and horror novellas with host Dave Carson. Join us as we go inside our collection. Welcome to another edition of Did You Hear? I'm your host, Dave Carson, and today I am with Beth Atwater, and she is from our collection department. Does that mean she collects money? No. 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 In fact, your, your title is Collection Development Librarian. Yep. Okay. And so you you don't have anything to do with money at all, ex- except for spending it. I do. Um, my job is to buy DVDs and fiction for the library's collection. So best e- job ever. Excellent. And so you're here to tell us what's new and what you've been spending your money on. Absolutely. Um, there are a lot of things that I'm excited about, and a lot of them are things that you probably already have on the holds list or that you see everywhere. But one thing I'm really excited about that you might not be aware of uh, is the short stories and short novellas that Tor.com is putting out each year and each month. Um, Tor.com, for those of you who are not aware, uh, Tor is a publisher that produces science fiction. And Tor.com is their website. They have roughly 1 million individual visitors monthly, 3 million page visits a month. Oh, my gosh. And more than 350 people are receiving their electronic newsletters. Wow. So it's a massive community of science fiction readers. uh, And every month they're putting out short novellas, usually between 100 and 225 pages. Wow. Okay, so can, can I stop you right there? Sure. Okay. Do you know the difference between an operetta and an opera? I'm going to assume the operetta is smaller. I don't really know. But <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think everybody probably wants to know, what's the difference between a novella and a novel? Is it just sure. length? It's just length. Okay. Yeah, it's still a complete story with the beginning, middle, and end, a protagonist that comes to some sort of hopefully satisfying end at the end of his journey. Okay. Um, but the novellas, science fiction and fantasy have a tendency to be big tomes, and they're they're big, meaty stories, which is what a lot of people love about them. Yeah. But Tor has done something that I think is really remarkable. They put all the same world building, all the same creativity into a little short kind of bite-sized nugget. So okay. um, I personally, I, I do read science fiction. I watch a lot more science fiction than I read. Sure. And so it's nice for me to be able to f- pick up a book, finish it in an afternoon, yeah. take one book to the pool with me and be done with it. Right. So um, that's one of the things I really love about the novellas that they're putting out. So let me ask you this. So from novella to novella, is the uh, do they share the same um, place? I mean, is it the same setting or do they have to reestablish that with every single story? Some of them. So they've got tons of authors, both established and newbies, who are publishing for them. Okay. Um, so to give you an example, one of my favorite books of all time is a novel by someone named Tade Thompson. It's a novella, actually, that's only about 120 pages long. It's okay. called The Murders of Molly Southbourne. So that came out two years ago. And then this summer, The Survival of Molly Southbourne is coming out, which is a sequel to that. Both of them were published by Tor. Um, so to give you an idea of kind of what the plot is, and I'll give you the quick and dirty plot. Sure, sure. Um, Molly Southbourne is, uh, starts out the story in the first one as a young girl who has been told by her parents that she can never bleed. And if she does, she has to be very careful and get an adult right away. Oh my. Because anytime she cuts herself or bleeds even a little bit, yeah. the, bo- the blood pools into a clone and all the clones want to kill her. 
Oh. Yeah. So scary science fiction. Wow. It was a really good story. A lot of fun. Yeah. I finished it in an afternoon. And then here we are now two years later. And Tor is publishing a sequel to that called The Survival of Molly Southbourne. Um, and that's another 120-page novel. Wow. So they're not all in those same themes. I mean, I've, I've seen everything from revisionist history where, you know, the, the American South is now replaced to the American West. The Buffalo are gone, but people are raising hippos in the <laughs> American Delta to uh, space stories where, um, you know, AI has decided to take over the universe because wow. we, our ships got smarter than we were. And okay. we're out in the universe trying to escape murderous robots. Wow. So it's everything you would see in a traditional science fiction story uh-huh. in little tiny bite-sized pieces. And I think that's great for summer, right? You right, can yeah. finish something in one visit to the pool or in one weekend get away. Uh-huh. Well, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because, you know, you, you, you take a book like, I don't know, Stephen King's The Stand or, or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. countless books of his. They're just these thick phone book books, right? And so what's being left out and are these still successful at establishing all the elements of a good story? Right. They are. Um, one of the things that I find interesting I watch a lot of television, like a lot of us do, and so I like the week-to-week phenomenon. And this kind of this really tackles that in the same way. Oh, um, okay. One of my favorite duos or duets that Tor put out it starts with a book called *River of Teeth*, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Okay. Where essentially it's the 1890s, and the American South has replaced the American West because we imported hippos as a source of meat when the Confederacy separated from the United States. Well, now those hippos have run amok, and the Mississippi Delta is full of cowboys riding hippos and wading through the water, doing all the same stuff that they would have done in a Gunsmoke episode. Well, it becomes an adventure story that is completely entailed in one bite-sized 200-page piece. Okay. And then the next one, which is a sequel to that, which is A Taste of Marrow, is another adventure story. So it's the same thing. She's managed to build a world that is completely different than ours, but it's just familiar enough that she can get it all in one snapshot. Interesting. For for any age group, or this, is this mostly for adults? Mostly for adults. Okay. Um, young adults, probably. A lot of them are appropriate for young adults, yeah. too. I will say, uh, when it comes to the science fiction stories that Tor is putting out, a lot of them are darker science fiction. They're not too many utopias. A lot of dystopias and not a lot of utopias. So um, there might be some stories that would give kids nightmares. I wouldn't give them to small kids um, or even kids that maybe are a little frightened of of horror movies. But if you are if you are ready for an adventure and you don't have a lot of time, these are great. Well, from what I've heard of hippos and how violent they are, I mean, they look so peaceful. If you've ever seen the the movie Fantasia, they're supposed to be dancing in in tutus. Instead, I think they they're super they, territorial, right? Yeah, yeah, they attack people <laughs> and are responsible for a number of human deaths. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so you mentioned um, some uh, space and and sci-fi, and so this year this. Um, Summer's uh, reading theme is a universe of stories, mm-hmm. and so what that uh, that you've purchased for the library uh, really fits into to that theme. What what? Well, what I will goes tell you this: um, there's a series that starts with a book called Murderbot. Murderbot. Yeah, that um, and cool. it is it is definitely futuristic. There's a lot of AI in it. There, are, I would say at this point, Tor has more than 
it has several hundred stories um, that are out that are that are novellas that we've collected and are scattered throughout the system. In fact, I just put together a. Um, Bibliocommons, so our webpage on our in our catalog, a list that's entitled "Quick, Quirky, and Sometimes Dark Reads," and so you'll be able to see them all gathered in one place: the space stories, the the westerns, the the science fiction, anything you can possibly think of. Neat. Yeah. Wow. So where's this list? Then? Sure, it's available on our website. If you um, are searching the catalog. Uh, there's a section where you can look at lists, and okay. actually it's one of our most recent lists. I just posted it up wow. um, called Quick, Quirky, and Sometimes Dark Reads, and they're all novellas from Tor. Wow, that is fantastic. And how many did you say were, were, were in this collection? Uh, right now, I think I've added about 30, but okay. I could probably have 50 by the end of the day because they really have been putting out um, – at least a dozen a year, sometimes more, for at least the last five years. So okay. there, there's a ton of them out there. Wow. Do you have a favorite so far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Murders of Molly Southbourne is my favorite, but I'm also really partial to a novella called The Ballad of Black Tom, which takes place in 1920s Harlem, but they've taken one of H.P. Lovecraft's old Cthulhu stories and changed the setting and okay. made it not quite modern day, obviously, but put it in the Harlem Renaissance. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, uh, do you have a favorite author from? I do. Yeah. Um, I am really partial to Tade Thompson. Okay. Uh, he has written those two Molly Southbourne books. Um, they're quick, they're direct, but they really leave you thinking. Okay, excellent. Well, let's get back to the list here. So, sure. uh, what what else? Uh, is either been purchased or is on the horizon or both, I guess. Um, there's something coming out this September that's been added to the catalog if you want to get on the holds list called The Monster of Ellendhaven. It's a it's tricky spelling. Uh, E-L-E-N-D-H-A-V-N is Ellendhaven. The author's name is Jennifer Geisbrecht. But essentially what it is is there's a there's a monster living in the sea outside this small city, which is, okay. it's not actually Victorian London, but it seems a lot like Victorian London. Okay. And when he walks washes ashore, he possesses the body of a small child and proceeds to go out on a rampage. Oh um, and all the while, while he's he's committing all of these heinous crimes, he is being hunted himself by somebody who is very Van Helsing-like. Yeah. So it's a fun story. And to think that you've created all of that world building, all of those characters, and you've been able to stuff them into 155 pages. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for it. It comes out in September. We've already added it to the catalog. Okay. Excellent. Um, you know, I, I should use this time to get personal recommendations from you. So <laughs> let me tell you what I've been into lately. Okay. Um, so I don't know how this got past my radar, but I started watching Castle Rock on uh, Hulu. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you know the series, but it's based so, on Stephen King's right, works, so, right? So so many Stephen King um, books that are, or even short stories, they're turned into movies. Most cases. It's filmed pretty poorly, and it's not exactly an all-star cast. This, he's teamed up with J.J. Abrams, Mm -hmm. so okay, you you have my attention, and uh, good good cast. I mean, Sissy Spacek is is part of it, and, uh, you know, uh, it is really compelling. Oh, the actor, um, I think his name's Peter Skarsland. I'm sure of the last name, not sure of the first name, Mm -hmm. but he played... uh, uh, 
Oh, I forgot his name from It, the clown. Oh, uh, I, Pennywise. Pennywise. Yeah. Thank you. I, I love this series. I haven't finished it yet, so don't spoil it for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, something in that vein, do you think uh, you would have a recommendation for me? Sure. If we're talking about DVD, as you know, Stephen King's been done on DVD several different ways and several different times. Sure. Um, one of the shows that I actually thought was a lot of fun was called Haven, and it originally was on the Sci-Fi Channel. We do have oh. it on DVD now okay. in our collection. Excellent. The show's completely finished its run. So you can watch it all the way all beginning the way to end. Um, and it was based originally on Stephen King's, uh, no, I think it was novel, The Colorado Kid. Okay. Um, so that one, that's that one was a lot of fun. Um, you know, of course, the It movies. I I have to tell you, I'm partial to the miniseries that came out in the '90s. It scared me half to death yeah. as a kid. Um, but the remakes of that, the second one in that series is coming out this summer in theaters, and the first one is in deep on DVD and available from the library. Right. And we even have the uh, TV miniseries with. Yeah. Um, Oh, uh, what's his name? Tim Curry? Yep. No. no Tim Curry? Um, Not Tim gosh, I've forgotten his name. But yes, I know what you're talking about. Um, that came out in the, the early 90s. Um, it, you know, and right now there is, I want to say Joe Hill, who is, of course, Stephen King's son, has a television series that isn't ready for DVD yet. It's actually just now airing on television, but it's on AMC called Nosferatu. Oh, um, which is turning out to be really good. It's a lot of fun. So you know, I think we 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 know we're living in a golden age of television, but we tend to forget we're also living in an era where we've got access to to more horror and spooky things than we've ever had before. So it's been a lot of fun seeing all these television adaptations of books that maybe were on your radar earlier that you've previously read and and really started to kind of forget about. Yeah. So what are what are you watching? Um, oh, that's a that's a loaded question. I yeah. watch too much television. What am I not watching? <laughs> well, and how does that work? Where you're watching a lot of stuff to review mm-hmm. for the library, but you you also have your personal life, and so uh, do you watch the same types of things, or do is there a I division? I try to be a little more well rounded when I'm thinking about things I want to recommend. Um, in my personal life, I'm a romance reader, uh, and so I try to make sure that I usually finish 50 books a year. Um, which I, for some people sounds like a lot, depending on what librarian you ask. There are other people who go, that's all. Um, right. <laughs> so what I try to do is make sure that half of what I read is something that is not immediately in my comfort zone it's in i do the same thing with television um so i try to go to the true false film festival every year if i can that is in columbia missouri and that's a documentary film festival it's an opportunity for me to see a lot of documentary films Um, i do love horror movies and so i try to go to the panic fest film festival every year that's here in kansas city and that is in january and that's all horror all the time um, and I, I watch a lot of trailers as opposed to necessarily watching a lot of television shows because there's never enough time to watch all the things you want to watch. Sure. So I do spend a lot of time looking at trailers and reviews and, uh, you know, I'm checking websites like, you know, birth movies, death, that sort of thing. Just checking things out to see what what all the fanboys and fangirls are excited about so I can make sure that I'm using my time wisely. But your favorites are sci-fi. My favorite television series, for the most part, are sci-fi. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm definitely a Trekkie. Okay. Uh, you, you don't even want me to start talking about how excited I am that CBS All Access is making a Picard television miniseries yeah. this fall. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm worried, I, but I'm excited. I, and I heard such 
you know, not great things about Discovery, and I like it. I I'm, I liked Discovery, but I have to be honest. Having yeah. grown up on Star Trek: The Next Generation, I expect my science fiction to be utopian and sweet and fun, and Discovery was not uh, that. But Discovery I think felt very Star Wars. Watched all well. Okay, see, I've heard that comment too, and I see, I see in the end. Without giving away the series, um, it does have those elements of it does. Finish, it, finishing up a, a, a season kind of Star Wars style. But I got to say, if, if they're guilty of anything, it's it's trying to take too many plots and put them into one season, you know, over, it, overall story arcs. I think um, that's fair. And uh, But I had fun with it because it was, a, it was very unexpected. And, I enjoyed it. I mean, we yeah. have the DVDs. If somebody at home is listening and wants to check out the new Star Trek, we definitely, it's, it's, it's worth watching. I yeah. really enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. As much as I love Star Trek, I actually liked Orville better than Star Trek Discovery. Oh, interesting. I, I've, I've, I've gotten some way through Orville. But, you know, it's funny. I, I told a friend not too long ago that I just need a uh, – I don't have to have all spaceships. But mm-hmm. I need one spaceship in my life. I need, you know, one StarCraft that's yeah. in some sort of mission. And, um, and you know, one show that I really enjoyed that got canceled. It's mm-hmm. called Dark Matter. That yeah. was a really fun show. That was a fun show. Yeah. Um, and and what, what I read lately about that is that uh, somebody was trying to buy it because they want to reboot the series uh, Stargate. Oh. And they want to bring that into the Stargate world. Huh. Yeah. That seems that, hard. That's, that was my reaction. You huh. know, one of the, <laughs> I, I have to admit, in addition to space operas, and I do love a good space opera, I really also like space westerns. Hmm. So uh, there used to be a show called Defiance that was on the sci-fi channel, and basically all of the Earth had been terraformed, and St. Louis was now this wayward western town and all these people are living under the St. Louis arch. Yeah. All these these aliens from various species just trying to make their way in the world. And it was a lot of fun. And of course who doesn't love Firefly? Sure. Um, so, you know, Firefly and Serenity are among my favorites too. So, um, for me, I just, I like fiction. It doesn't really matter um, what vein it falls in. Sure. Um, I will admit that I would rather watch my horror than read it most of the time. Um, uh-huh. When I live in a book, it it, it, go, it lives with me for a lot longer than something that I see yeah. on the screen. So unless I want nightmares, I try to watch my fiction and or watch my horror. And that's interesting because I, I I have a friend who's just the opposite, and um, he was uh, really disappointed in the movie It. Um, because he, f- he felt like they, t- they just got it wrong. Like, if you yeah. read the book, it's not about one person or one thing, right. one it. It is the entire town. There's this entire town just has this evil undercore that is changing right. innocent, good clowns. Into <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I I will tell you this, and, you know, I might get hate mail for it. I adore Stephen King's stories, and I have a hard time reading Stephen King. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the so attention he pays to detail is admirable and remarkable, uh-huh. but the kind of world building he does is reminiscent of a fantasy novel. And as much as I like watching fantasy, I, I can't I can't do 60 pages of scenery okay, before Stephen we get to King the action. Fans, <laughs> you can send your hate mail to <laughs> Beth I will Hatwater. always buy it. I <laughs> promise. I will always <laughs> buy all the Stephen King you want. I just, I can't. I internalize horror films or horror mo- books too much yeah. to keep up with Well, them. you know, I, I'm 
I, we all have our preferences. Yeah. And uh, I definitely, uh, you know, I've, I've worked in movie theaters for, for so many years in my life. And I, I had to watch so many Stephen King movies because mm-hmm. I would build the, the, the print up and have to screen it and make sure it was assembled correctly because you can't have reels out of order. This is back in the day. Anyways, um, you know, I, I, I just got to say that uh, I I liked the books better. Oh, I don't. You know what? I suspect I, they, I probably would, too, if I yeah. really invested the time. I just, gosh, there's never going to be enough time for me to read everything I want to read. Yeah. And when it comes down to whose, whose world I want to live in, I'll spend 200 pages in a dark, dreary world, but I need to spend my the bulk of my time in happy books. Yeah. Well, there's this, too. Um, we have uh, just really made strides in movie making, and mm-hmm. so CGI has really changed. I mean, it's game changer. It's like you can take any fantasy world, any sci-fi world, and you can realistically recreate that on the screen. Yeah, I mean, look, and, at, look at live action Lion King, and I put live action in quotes, but in air quotes, but, but live action Lion yeah. King. That's insane that we can make a film, right? It's entirely cast by animals and call it live action because the CGI is just that good. But it's also interesting that some stories are so good and storylines are so good that even just a minimal attempt at some CGI, um, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of Babylon 5. Uh So uh, one of our librarians, Josh Neff, had recently mentioned that Babylon 5 is just such a great series. And... Oh my gosh, it is just like a, a, a pittance compared uh, to the budget of, say, Star Trek right? or, or these other shows. But it didn't really rely that heavily on special effects. Yeah. Um, you they they put their money into some you know space shots of you know the of the ships out in space and and that looked good but for the most part they didn't rely heavily on that and it's just it turned out really well because com- of the storytelling compelling s- characters and good story doctor who is in the same vein i i yeah I, I have to admit i didn't get into doctor who until not just this incarnation but the immediate current incarnation before um the current one yeah. and so i was very very late to the game but as a lifelong star trek watcher watching doctor who i'm like why am i enjoying the sci-fi so much these special huh. effects are interesting <laughs> but it really is it's the story it's the character it's character driven in a way that moves you well this might be the the time for people to send me the hate mail because i've just never gotten into the doctor oh i, yeah. I understand yeah uh, but i i support anyone that that you know that's their passion and i i have a niece that's a big you know doctor who fan and um but yeah hmm i mean and who knows maybe someday i'll give it all another chance and uh it'll it'll all work out yeah well um do you have more titles that you want to share with our audience i uh don't have a list of titles directly in front of me. Okay. Um, I've created a list of titles that are available on the website. Okay. Um, and I will talk to our team and see if maybe we can make those easy to find and not necessarily have to have folks digging through. Once again, that title is called Quick, Quirky, Sometimes Dark Reads. Um, and I will continue to add items to that title to that title list for everybody. But yeah, my, my top four favorite tour novellas of all time, The Murders of Molly Southbourne, which is book one of a two-book duet, The Black God's Drums by P. Deja Clark, 
um, which is is wonderful. It takes place in New Orleans and it's steampunk. Uh, River of Teeth by Sarah Gailey and The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Laval. Wow. That is some really exciting stuff. And, uh, you know, it's it's always the right time of year for sci-fi. And uh, just really uh, appreciate you coming by. Thanks. and giving us a sneak preview of some of the goodness and of course our collection is not limited to these titles and that is not all that you have been purchasing for the library there's tons and tons of good stuff um, that's coming what's the best way for people to know what uh, exactly is the newest stuff in our our catalog sure um when you go to the catalog and you do a do you do a there's a drop down box of sure. items when you're searching for the cat through the catalog you can look at new titles and when you look at new titles it's going to give you two options you can look at new titles that have just arrived or new titles that are on order you can check that on order tab and see everything that has been ordered for the, the collection that hasn't arrived yet uh, and then once you do that you can whittle it down to fiction if you're just into fiction or science fiction if you're just into science fiction dvd you can whittle yeah. it down from there as, as narrow as you need to that is some good advice, and so if you're a listener to the podcast, that's why you listen. You get the inside story, and you get some insider tips and tricks, and uh, that way you don't have to wait so long for the good stuff. Did we miss a question you wish we would have asked? Do you have thoughts or stories about today's topic? Share them with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Library. And now, our writer's quote of the day. Hi, this is Dennis Ross. I'm a youth services librarian at the Central Resource Library. My quote is from A.S. King. Look, life is dirty. If we don't start looking at the dirt, we, oh, we're probably already there. We leave you with sounds from one of our locations. It's your audio minute we call Library Zen. Congratulations again. I think I'll try this one. Um, thank you very much for coming. Um, it's really a pleasure to be here. Congratulations to the winners of the contest. Well done. And it's nice you got to bring your friends and family and siblings and parents, so it's really nice to see everybody here. Um, and uh, I enjoyed meeting everyone, those who came up and took pictures and so on. I think we'll have, have some time to do more of that if people are interested. Just so you know, yeah, uh, I am fairly active on social media, so if you wanted to post some of that stuff, like on Instagram, my um, ID or whatever we call that is at uh, uh, Astro Mike Massimino, so you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter. I was actually the first guy to tweet from space. I'm at Astro underscore Mike. For more episodes of Did You Hear, go to the Johnson County Library website, jocolibrary.org slash didyouhear.